I think one of the biggest misunderstandings about comedy, what is comedy? Comedy is usually a story. You know, from the moment you take that stage, the audience is asking what's called the dramatic question, which is who are you and why do you behave that way? Welcome to Stand Up Stand Up, presented by IT Misfits. This is where tech professionals and comedy intersect daily in your new favorite stand-up meet. Each episode has two parts, a roundtable discussion on an IT topic, and then an open source open mic, where each comic shares or works on a stand-up comedy bit. At the end of the week, we perform our final crafted bit. Just like any good stand-up meeting, we try to make these short and valuable. Hopefully, this brings a smile to your day, gives you something to think about, and most importantly, gives you something funny you can share with other IT professionals. All right, well, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Thanks to my fellow misfit, Matt Campisi. My name is Jerry Black. Let's get into it. The quote for today is by Jim Rohn. Happiness is not by chance, but by choice. Jim Rohn's very much a... Uh, you choose your state, you choose your mindset, and that's, uh, I think, a really good quote. And in a lot of ways, kind of sums up a lot of the, the teaching that Jim Rohn did. Was really just uh, a lot about, you know, you make the choices in life. You make the the choice every day to to uh, how you're feeling, to all of those different things. So, anyways, it happens by choice. Uh, Jim Rohn quote. All right, we are continuing our interview today with Jerry Corley, but before we get into that. Matt had some kind of some questions that maybe either might not be answered during the interview or, um, you know, you might hear them in the interview, but it was, you know, kind of questions that we had. Uh, and so we're going to go over that today. So Matt, go ahead. Uh, so, so knowing that he's called the joke doctor and you're talking about how, uh, you know, he got that nickname from when he was uh, doing stand up in the greater LA area, but you know, what was his show that he was most known for? I mean, I know he's not, public facing but he's behind the scenes in the writer's room for you know sitcoms and other things like what was kind of his big claim to fame yeah his biggest and probably longest uh you know sort of i would say writing career at least when i've talked with him is is that he was a writer for the jay leno show a, a staff writer for the jay leno show and it's interesting the story he tells about how he got that job um he actually was doing stand-up you know he's doing stand-up in la he does a bit on stage. The next day, he's watching Leno that evening, and Leno did the joke that was his joke. And so he got really frustrated. Well, his father, uh, Jerry Crowley's dad, is also in um, in television, and he actually was a um, an actor on Murphy Brown. So they're all in the <laughs> entertainment. Him and his dad in the entertainment industry. And yeah. so he, you know, he's kind of frustrated. Now he's younger and he's frustrated that this happened. So he's talking with his dad and his dad's like, this is a while back. And he's like, well, you should write a letter, write a letter to, to Leno, tell him I stole your joke. <laughs> so he did, he actually wrote a letter. I, I don't know if he mailed it or faxed it or whatever, but anyways, he wrote it. Just kind of at least got it off his chest. You know, he says like two weeks later, he gets a call and it's Jay Leno. And he said, you know, initially, of course, just like anybody, he's, it, he's trying to figure out what friend of his is doing a, a Jay Leno impression and messing with him. But it was literally Jay Leno saying, Hey, you know, I saw you, you know, you wrote this in, you said, we, we took one of your jokes and, and um, he said he knew who the guy was. He doesn't talk about who it was or anything, but he, he, anyways, 
because Corley, the way Corley kind of does things, he sort of wakes up in the morning and starts looking at the news for the day and starts writing jokes. At the time, um, Leno's, Leno's approach has always been, if somebody steals your joke, you just got to write more. There, there's no, if you get bent oh, really? about it, there's nothing really. Yeah, he's he's not a, a oh, be mad, be upset. You know, it's one joke. So you got to write more. So anyways, so he calls up Corley. They're talking and he says, um, he asks Corley, okay, well, let me tell you what, you know, tell me a joke. Tell me a joke, you know, that you, that you've got. Well, apparently like right at that time in Hawaii, uh, power had gone out across the Island and Jerry earlier in the day had been writing jokes about that news event. So he tells him one of his jokes and Leno was like, you just wrote that just like right now. And Corley's like, yeah, yeah, I just wrote, just came up with that. And Cor- and he's like, that's pretty good. You know what? And then it started a, a conversation that turned oh, into a, uh, ended up being on the, in the, in the writer's room for Leno for however many years until, oh. you know, either until, you know, I'm sure it's Hollywood things go sideways or, you know, something happens or whatever, but ultimately, mm-hmm. yeah, he ended up doing yeah. that, but he's done work ac- all so throughout cool. LA for years and he's you know he uh i asked him just the other day when we were talking about like actually i think it's in the interview like where where could we see you and he's like oh i work this room in this room and sometimes i'll go to comedy store and sometimes all and sometimes all and he doesn't he like can he's kind of one of those people that can just say hey can i go up and they'll yeah yeah go ahead and they'll just put him on let he's him not he's yeah they just sort of let him go up whenever he when he wants to go up so i was like wow that yeah. that's pretty neat that's so cool I was, it's interesting because you answered one of my next questions, which is that whole idea is, are you allowed to, if he was a writer for, for the tonight show, could then Jerry go use that in on his standup? So, yeah. which I don't know what the right answer is, but you were saying how Jay Leno had this no. belief that, Hey, you could, you know, take people's bits, but yeah. So those bits then had to be kind of the property well, of the tonight so, show, I assume. Right. Or. Yeah. yeah so, and, and I don't want to, uh, Leno's approach was not, oh, we can just take your stuff. He just, because Leno was a stand-up comic too, he was like, hey, if somebody steals your stuff, getting mad about it isn't going to do any good. Philosophically, yeah. Yeah, philosophically, just write more. And and then Corley says, you know, like if people do his stuff, because he'll, you know, in LA, I'm sure that happens a lot. um, He will, when he knows the next time they're going to go up, he will intentionally go, to their set and sit in the audience. And when they do his stuff, he says, he'll heckle them. And he'll say things like, oh, I was funnier when I said it. Oh, it was funnier when I did that bit. Funny when I wrote it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. He goes, yeah, you know, you get pretty nasty. I was like, I bet that's, that's rough. So, so anyways, um, but Leno's yeah. Leno's approach was just don't, don't let it get you. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it be, oh, I'm not going to write something funny or I'm not going to yeah. perform them because other people are going to steal them because then you you just won't grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But absolutely, I think what I asked, I think somebody asked Corley one time, like, do you, then you can't, like you're giving it to, to Leno, you can't use it yourself. And he said, most of the stuff you do for like tonight shows and stuff is so the, in the moment, oh, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the jokes yeah. that you're writing are really, at that time that they you wouldn't really use them much after that anyways and so if you were going up on the weekend maybe but even there like if somebody's heard it on leno 
you really don't yeah, want to hear out, coming out of the audience like, yeah, Leno said that on Monday, right? So he's like, yeah, you don't, you just sort of disincented anyways. Nice. Well, that's awesome. I can't yeah. wait to hear the rest of the interview then with him. Nice. Yeah, me too. It's really great. And and uh, I really enjoyed uh, interviewing him. So with that said, uh, we're going to jump back into the interview. All right. So um, uh, we talked a little bit about, do you, I, I do want to ask you just as a comedy in IT, shift gears here a little bit, comedy in IT. Um, so you actually have a pretty good grasp of technology. And uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you purposely have uh have done that or you just had to learn it through uh through life um yeah but you I had to learn good, it you know pretty good grasp of it and so with that said have you what do you think what has technology influenced comedy or has it shifted or changed like you know obviously youtube and and technological advances like that or yeah what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, way back, let's go back to the beginning of a ch technology when we uh, technology and then recording it and recording it on tape and recording it on for radio, recording it for albums, right? So we go back to there with the first time we could record it. And then it was on radio and then yeah. it was on television. So I think technology and comedy have boosted each other in a way. Well, mostly technology boosting the exposure of comedy. We wouldn't be able to see all this stuff without the technology, right? So now... If we get into other technology, move forward, we know about YouTube, uh, social media, yeah. uh, the shorts, TikTok, the exposure that comedians have been able to get. Now, yeah. you know, back, uh, you know, when Patton Oswald was at the um, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, and I think that was in 2014, okay. something like that, he said that, or maybe 2017, it doesn't matter, but he said that. He said, get out of our way, executives, because because of this, comedians now have the power. Huh. Creators now have the power. We can create just as much shit as you're creating with no budget. And then we'll put out the same amount of shit, percentage of shit as you do, <laughs> compared to the great stuff. Yeah, right. Watch. Just watch us go. And it's like, so you better be more willing to make deals with us huh. because we're going to take over and we're going to do it on our own. And what's happened? Matt Reif killing it on TikTok and then dictating what his price is when he goes to a club. Charlie Behrens, my student, um, starting out, coming to me, say, Jerry, how do I cut through the noise? And I say, create a YouTube channel with a character that has a certain niche and do shorts, like two minutes, two minute videos of maybe you just be in this character doing a news program. And he started doing that. And then he started getting a following. And the next time I checked on him, he had 77,000 subscribers on YouTube. Then the next time I checked on him, he had 240,000. Then the next time I checked on him, now he's got 2 million subscribers Sheesh. on YouTube. And they come to his shows in droves oh, yeah. as fans. Yeah, and already ready to laugh. Like this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They laugh at everything. Yeah. And it's like, um, and he just put out his first YouTube special. So wow. he's really killing it. Yeah. I mean, what really, it, when I first saw him be able to springboard his 77,000 subscribers and sell out the main room at Flappers and Burbank, and also sell out, I think, the punchline in, in the Bay Area the night before, and make a door deal with the club, I go, yeah. he's on his way. Yeah. And um, then he he would scale it by having a VIP tickets where the people that paid extra could go do a Q and a or meet and greet afterwards. 
and um and it could be more personal and they'll whole bunch because they love him on YouTube want to meet him and say hello and it's like he really just blew up that channel mm -hmm. so now again this technology has caused people to be able to drive their own business yeah louis ck he goes his th one thing is like i'll do one for them and one for me which is george clooney uh, does that sort of model too i'll do one for the the studios and then one for me right. and it's like so ck will do a special he'll pay for it uh you like his first special i think cost him two hundred fifty thousand dollars to produce and he shoots it and he made five million dollars from it. He wow. made two million like in the first 28 days, you know, wow. so selling it for five dollars each. Wow. Online. So the technology. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It has had a huge impact on yeah, comedy. No uh, wow. All right. Um, uh, now, uh, I, I don't know. We're right at five, Jerry. So we'll take a little pause here. Or do you need to go right now or? We can do, let's we can do fifteen more minutes. Okay, fifteen more minutes, and we'll do let's do the business of comedy. We'll we'll close out with the business of comedy, and then uh, so do you want to do more comedy one hundred and one, sort of like a couple of ideas on writing jokes? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because what I think are... that's what people will really be tuned into. Okay, and great. then we could do sort of like the ending because we did kind of cover some business of comedy we did just kinda, there, yeah, yeah. the yep. technology and the beginning part. Yep. So in this pace, we can just get into like, let's talk about, let's talk about the fun part, writing a joke. All right. Let's talk about the fun part, writing a joke. Let's do it. All right. So take me through it. So like you said, you like to do stories. So you start yeah. out with a story and that's, I think one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest misunderstandings about comedy, what is comedy? Comedy is usually a story. You know, from the moment you take that stage, the audience is asking what's called the dramatic question, which is who are you and why do you behave that way? Or who are you and why should I care? So you get up there and it's you say funny your when story. you say that. <laughs> I what? think my mom asked why that question a thousand times. No, who are you yeah. and why do you behave that way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, my mother used to say, uh, I'm going to kick him where the sun don't shine. And I would say, you're going to kick him in Seattle? Um which is a simple truth line, right? It's like, what's the alternate meaning of that line? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the simplest truth. So it's like, um, sorry, I, got I you remember I used to always, I used to always look for that, right? So that's one of the ways to do it. It's like look for things. Is look for like cliches or aphorisms or idioms and colloquialisms. And what do people say? You could even put that into ChatGPT. Talk about technology, right? Yeah. What right. are some idiomatic phrases? What are some aphorisms, idioms that are commonly used? in our country or in our culture and they'll spill out like you know if you ask them for 25 it'll give you 25 ask it for 50 it'll give you 50 if you're on 4.0 if you're on 3.5 it'll say sorry we're only giving you 25 you're not paying for this yeah cheapskate so uh but it won't say that it's nice it's right nice. but, yeah. but uh but you take some of these phrases and you look at what the alternate meanings are and it's like you know uh like i remember it when I started to think of things like, what does that phrase really mean? And this was when I first started seeing Jerry Seinfeld when I was younger. What does this phrase mean? It'd be like, I remember going to the post office with my dad when I was 12. And he said, and there was a sign on the door and it said, no dogs allowed except seeing eye dogs. And I said to my dad, what is a seeing eye dog? And I was in my, in my head, I was envisioning a dog with a big mm -hmm. eyeball on his forehead. Right. And he was like, my dad was like, a seeing eye dog is a, is a dog that helps blind people get around. You know, and I was like, oh, well, then who's the sign for? Dogs can't read and blind people can't see it. Right. So <laughs> my dad goes, and hey, that's pretty funny, kid. Yeah, yeah. Right. And 
years later, it was like had to be like 10 years later, I see Garen Shandling do this joke, huh. or maybe three years later. Then years later after that, I see Carlos Mencia do Gar- Gary Shandling's huh. joke huh. at huh. Comic Relief. <laughs> and it's like, because when I heard he was on Comic Relief, I go, what's he going to do? He can't work clean. Huh. And then um, it was, he did other, people, other people's jokes. Other people but anyway, know. so that kind of thing is like when you see a phrase or a sign or you hear a lyric, analyze it. What does it mean? As opposed to the words as opposed to are some of your best friends as opposed to. So if somebody says something, our detergent gets bloodstains out of your dress shirts better than the leading detergent. Well, if you're the leading, if there, if, if yours gets bloodstains out better than the leading detergent, how come you're not the leading detergent? You know, that's one way to look at that. The other one was like Jerry Seinfeld said, if you've got bloodstains in your dress shirts, you've got more stuff to worry about than laundry detergent, you know? Um, so that's, you're listening to re- breaking down what they're saying. You know, sometimes listen to commercials. I hear, heard a commercial that said, if you want to lose 20 or more pounds legitimately, call 1-800-555-1212. And I was listening to the radio go, 20 or more pounds legitimately, as opposed to illegitimately? Because really, if you're losing 20 or more pounds illegitimately, isn't that pretty much a an abortion in Texas? Um, so... <laughs> So it's like, yeah, that's a quick 20 pounds. Um, so if you really listen, like song lyrics, they're great, right? Those oh. are the, some of the best scriptures, song lyrics, poetry. It's like, uh, uh, you know, if you listen to It's a Small World at Disneyland, you know, it's a world of joy. It's a world of tears. It's a world of hope. It's a world of fears. Hope, fears, joy, tears. Isn't this a song about being bipolar? <laughs> So you have that, or you listen to like, ever hear Bruce Springsteen? Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? I got a bad desire. Yeah. Oh, 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 pedo fire. Isn't that what the song (laughs) should say? Because really, hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Yeah, it feels a little- Would you see what I'm uh, saying? Yeah, yeah. All you're doing is really listening for- Wait a second, that doesn't sound right. Then take a moment and think it through and come up with a simple truth solution to it. What it, in its essence, what is it really saying? We've done this all our lives. Somebody says something, we go, that's what she said. Ah. We're already keyed to do it. We just haven't done it in a while. Huh. And comedians do it all the time, so they practice at it, so that's why they're ready. All right, well. Uh, That's the end of the interview for today. Uh, We'll pick it back up again tomorrow. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks to my fellow misfit, Matt Campisi. My name's Jerry Black. Have a wonderful day. That's it for today's stand-up meeting. Remember, this isn't just a podcast. It's a weekly process to find the funny. You are front row at the birth of any of this comedy. It's open source. So please feel free to share this with people that you work with. If you share something funny with other people, their day will be brighter and you'll be amazed at how much better your day is because of it.